And ladies and gentlemen, he's one of the all-time greats, my buddy, Mr. John Wayne. You're listening to the John Wayne Gritcast with me, Ethan Wayne. The hell I was We're talking all about the life and legacy of my father. John Wayne. Mr. John Wayne. John Wayne is the United States of America. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rule America Live. We're coming to you live from Fort Worth, Texas, inside the Cowboy Channel, Justin Boot Studios. Good evening, everyone. My name is Ty McClary, and we're excited to tell you that this is the Big Jake 50th anniversary, or as we like to call it, the McCandles Family Reunion. And I'm also excited to tell you, you may have heard a little bit of that, but we've got a live studio audience with us this evening. Good evening, everyone. I'm also happy to inform you that your guys' tickets that you bought to be a part of this event, not only are you a part of this great interview panel that I have with me, joining me here in the studios, but you started your evening over at the John Wayne Museum here in the Fort Worth Stockyards. But those tickets that you bought have raised over $7,000 just today for the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. Now sitting beside me is a couple gentlemen that I think each and every one of you are going to know or at least recognize, definitely have heard of, but the one and only Patrick Wayne, who played James McCandles. John Wayne's other son, Ethan Wayne, who played little Jake McCandles. And his dog, Finn, there on the floor. We can't yeah. forget about Finn Wayne. And my dear friend, Mr. Chris Mitchum, on the other end, who played Michael McCandles. Before we get this evening going, I know Chris has a special presentation, and I'd like to turn it over to Chris Mitchum here for a moment. Thank you, Ty. Uh, I did three films with Duke. The first one, Chisholm, I almost had a line in it. <laughs> the, the, the second one, uh, Rio Lobo, which was Howard Hawks' last film, uh, Warner Brothers was involved with that, and they sent me down to the wardrobe room. And when I was getting my wardrobe, they handed me a hat. They also were very involved earlier in uh, Western television. And they had a show called The Rebel, a guy named Nick Adams playing Johnny Yuma was in. And they said this hat was uh, worn by Nick Adams in The Rebel. And it's the hat I wore in Rio Lobo, and somehow it ended up in my suitcase. (laughs) So I would like to pass that on to Ethan for the exhibit. And then also the other hat, which is uh, kind of related to tonight, is the hat I wore in Big Jake. Wow. Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's such a coincidence, Chris, because I got a call from Western Costume last week. They've been looking <laughs> They've been looking for this ass for 50 years, and now they're here. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. I think that's actually why we have the security guards here tonight is to watch over the hats so no, none of you guys <laughs> take them. So, Chris, thanks for that. What a way to get that's us started. Nice, and Thank you, I, thank you very much. I actually can't think of a better way to start out this evening with the wonderful movie Big Jake, and it's actually considered one of the best character introductions in cinema history. Let's take a look at the one and only John Wayne in Big Jake. It is, I think, going to be a very harsh and unpleasant kind of business, and will, I think, require an extremely harsh and unpleasant kind of man to see to it. No, sir, I ain't. Haven't butted into anybody's business since it was 18 year old. At which time it almost got me killed. Ain't gonna start that again. What's the matter? Oh, what do you have to go and do that for? You got any last words, Scotsman? Aye. Give me my bonnet. My head's cold. Let's get on with the hanging. Howdy! Got you 
Kind of surrounded, haven't they? This your business, mister? What is he, a murderer or a horse thief? He's a sheep farmer. Phew, that's where that horrible odor comes from. That's right. How about the boy? You gonna hang him too, or just beat him up some more? Mister, you shouldn't butt into something that's none of your business. You really shouldn't. I think you're right, friend. And shouldn't butt into anything that ain't his own affair. Sheep farmer? You want to sell them sheep? Uh, yes, sir. Well, let's see. I'll give you a hundred now and three hundred when I get them to market. But that's highway robbery. Well, maybe you think you're going to get a better offer for them today. I'll take it. Uh, with one proviso. What's that? I'll go with the sheep. Good. You're working for me. You go ahead. You go right ahead. If anything I enjoy more than hanging a sheep herder, it's hanging somebody who sticks his nose into my business. Go on. You try to cut that rope. No, you got me scared. You do it. Dog! Who in the hell do you think you are? Jacob McCandles. Oh, I, uh... I thought you were dead, Mr. McCandles. Not hardly. You gonna cut him down? Now his hands. Two hundred miles south, Bar MC. Foreman's name's Gonzalez. Tell him I sent you. Take the boy with you. Thank you, sir. Come along, son. You follow him. I'll hunt you down and kill you. Every mother's son of you. Come on, dog. <laughs> Getting a good look at that costume after watching that clip at the very beginning of the movie there. That's a pretty neat costume that we have right here in the studios with us. And Patrick, I got to say, I, I definitely want to start with you because that is known as one of the greatest character introductions, I think, in cinema history. I have to agree with that. But tell me why you think that is. I didn't say it. I know. <laughs> I never said it. I know it had humor in it. It had guts it had it really covered a whole gamut of emotions he, he does a great job at it um, I do have an interesting story I want to tell you about the film which won't come out in any questions you might ask but I had a uh, very interesting experience on that film this was the last film I did with my dad and I think I did nine films with him but it's the first time I noticed something uh, that happened which I think you might be interested in so the first day we were working on um, Big Jake maybe first two days was, my dad wasn't involved it was just the other actors in the film and we had some scenes to do without my dad and like the third day he came on the set and this whole place would just ramped up and they just came to very focused and i mean the cast and the crew completely focused highly efficient organized a group of people and the only difference was it was my dad had walked on there. I mean, he had that kind of presence that would uh, make people turn, too. It's kind of <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I think he did have that kind of presence <laughs> for sure. Ethan, I want to move to you now, and especially since you have Finn here in the studio with us. But seeing that great shot of dog there in that movie, in fact, I... When I was young, I had a dog myself that I ended up calling him Yogi, but I wanted to name him Dog because of that movie. But uh, my wife that I now have, Christy, wouldn't let me do that. But um, what was the rapport with, with your dad and the dogs on there? And were there numerous dogs that played that character? Uh, the rapport was very similar to, to the rapport I had with my father. You know, he'd tell you what to do, and you did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was... 
That was the essence of my entire experience on that, that movie was, you know, we'd go, okay, come here, go over there, back like you're scared, then run across. <laughs> that's, that's all the attention you'd get. And those dogs, they had two of them. They had a kind of a pretty one, uh, and then they had a, kind of a scarred up one that would do the stunts. It was Lassie and Laddie. And they would spray them down with that hairspray. And they'd use it on the stunt guys and everybody. And there was this, like spray cans of stuff. And I still remember the scent of that hairspray <laughs> color, hair color stuff. And uh, those dogs would get sprayed down every day. And they'd say, you know, you can, you can pet this one, but you can't pet that one. In a couple of years, you'll be using it yourself. Yeah. Well, well, I could be using it today. Well, I could use a little now, I guess. Only if, only if he has hair. Yeah. yeah, right. So this dog was in Hondo, too. It was Lassie was in, in the movie Hondo. And um, this was like the 14th iteration of Lassie, you know, because the dogs didn't last for 50 years. But um, on this, on the, on the, the, dog trainer for Lassie was a fellow named Rudd Weatherwax. And um, one night on Hondo, they played poker, and Rudd Weatherwax bet his dog and lost Lassie to my dad. <laughs> you know, they'd been drinking and playing cards. And um, so the next day, Rudd Weatherwax wakes up, sobers up, realizes what has happened, you know. And uh, my dad just says, oh, don't worry about it. You, you, know, you keep Lassie. But La Lassie worked in a couple of films. He was, uh, was he in... Um, McClintock, I can't remember, but he was in another film besides uh, Hondo and Big J. <laughs> Chris, this movie was part of John Wayne's production company, Batjack, that right. obviously put the movie on. And I'm curious to know from you, what was the casting like? Because you obviously got cast for this movie, and you shared a story with me earlier about yeah. your casting experience. I think. Yeah, well, I was, I was doing Real Lobo with, uh, with Duke, and he went to Hollywood to get his Academy Award for True Grit. And he came back, and we're on the street in Tucson, and he walked over to me and he said, when I was in Hollywood, I made a deal for my next picture. I'd like you to play my son. What are you going to say, no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. I do want to let people know that are here in the live audience with us. Uh, we want to get your questions, too. This isn't just about me asking questions. I'm kind of the traffic cop here. But if anyone has a question, make your way down to the podium, and we'll definitely get you on. So uh, if you come up with a question anytime throughout the evening, we'd love to have you down. One last one, I guess, be, before we go to break. Um, there was no slouch when it came to the rest of the crew that was in this movie. I don't care if we talk about Dean Smith, if we talk about Maureen O'Hara, if we talk about uh, Richard Boone. Of course, he played John Fane. Uh, it was quite a cast to work with. Really fabulous cast. Also, my older brother, our older brother, Michael, produced the film, and my dad was uh, heavy in the uh, directing, too. So it was a family production all the way through. But the, but the you know, Dobie Carey... Uh, uh, Glenn Corbett, uh, uh, as you said, Richard Boone. I mean, these are all great character actors and all did a fine job. Really a lot of fun to work with. Yeah. When Bruce was down, he was in the house with me and Dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. He stayed with you. And uh, in the morning, I'd have to give him, he showed me how much vodka to put in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> be in the shower, naked in the shower. And he'd say, Ethan, go get your Uncle Bruce, my whatever he called it. And I have to go <laughs> fill up a glass of vodka and one in the shower. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to get into a lot more of that as we go. Maybe not the naked in the shower part, but we're going we're gonna to get into a lot more of that as we go. That's hey, stick. That's a teaser. That, that is. That's, that's just a, a small teaser of what we've got the rest of the evening. <laughs> stick with us on our 50th anniversary of Big Jake, the McCandles Family Reunion. I also want you to know that this panel will also be released as an upcoming episode on the new John Wayne Gritcast, hosted by our very own Ethan Wayne that's here in studio with us. You can find that on Apple and Spotify. So thanks for joining us back inside the Cowboy Channel Justin Boots Studios. Before we get any further, as mentioned before the break, we've got a question from the audience. So we're ready for you to take it away over there from the podium. First, I just want to tell all of you, thank you for all the wonderful entertainment over the years. And and um, as much as I'd like to talk to all of you, I only have one question, and that's to Ethan. 
What was it like when you fell off of the horse? What I mean, did you actually fall off? Were you scared? I, I liked. <laughs> I, I liked everything. Um, I I don't remember falling off the horse, and I remember uh, that they had a stunt double, and I can't remember if he did that or if I did that because I can remember going like, I can do that. Like, just let me do. <laughs> I like the dog. I want to do it. Um, but I honestly can't remember. Can you remember? I can't remember, but I have a story that relates to that, talking about falling off a horse. So I, I did, it's a complex story, but in a movie called McClintock. Sorry. I did the, I hope that answered your question. It was the stunt thing. But was um, it? Yeah. Yeah. in McClintock, I, I had to do this scene, a horseback riding scene, and the camera was really close, very critical camera, and they saw the rushes, and my, my dad said it. He didn't really, wasn't a person to give advice, but he said, you're going to learn how to ride a horse or you're going to get out of this business. I mean, that was it. And he, oh, I was crushed. So I went out for the, you know, we had several more weeks on the film, and I went out and rode every day, and they reshot the thing, and it worked out fine. So that was good. <laughs> so on this film, when McClint uh, when uh, Big Jake was getting ready to shoot, there were several scenes that I had to ride bareback in the film. I didn't have a lot of experience doing that. So I worked out with a fellow named Ever Creech uh, at doing a lot of um, bareback riding. And I got pretty good on it, you know, the different gates and, you know, changing when to turn and all of that is pretty good. And I did the different mounts from behind and on the side, and I got pretty handy on this thing, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And the first scene I have to ride bareback is a scene with, with Bruce Cabot, my dad, and myself, and we're riding across this area, and we're going to stop up there at the end of this bluff. And we're going across some shale, and it's like like sideways like it's on the bias and we're going across it and my horse slips like this and you know I use my legs to grab well I, I had my spurs on <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm spurring him with this thing and I'm trying to get him to stop and he wants to go faster I shot by Bruce and my dad they just saw this guy go shooting by and I fell down in a spot. There was only one spot that wasn't covered with rocks. I landed right in the grass, that guy. <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, my God. I don't know what he's going to say to me this time. I was prepared for the worst. And he, he came up. He said, are you okay? <laughs> Anything hurt? Nothing but my pride. Got back up and did it again. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I that that's is good. good. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, awesome. So Chris just confirmed that it was this stunt kid that came in and did that. And I've was heartbroken, but I guess I've forgotten. Okay, well, we won't tell nobody yeah. else, okay? Yeah. It's just between us, right? right. It's just right. between us, that's right. Thank you so much for your question. Yeah. I appreciate it. What's your name? Tammy. Nice, thank you for the question, Thanks, Tammy. Tammy. Uh -huh. thank, thank, thank you. As we get into some more clips here from this wonderful movie, it's a little tough for, for me to actually pick which one I like best, but this one I think we will all remember. We're just gonna call it Daddy. Let's take a look. <laughs> What about me? James? Good morning, Daddy. It's been some time since I've seen you. Ten years, I think. Nine years and four months. But you're welcome to come along, son. I am moved by your faith in someone you haven't seen since he was 16 years old. Daddy. Daddy? Daddy. Daddy. Well, son, since you haven't learned to respect your elders, it's time you learn to respect your betters. Oh. Oh. If you weren't my father. Go ahead. I give you a leave. going with me. I hope you can use that hog leg better than you can fight. Does that suit you, Daddy? You can call me Father. You can call me Jacob. You can call me Jake. You can call me a dirty son of a bitch. But if you ever call me Daddy again, I'll finish this fight. I believe it. <laughs> How much of that was scripted with the daddy, and how much of it was you oh, and your father was, just playing no, along? It was, it was all scripted. Yeah, it was. There was nothing spontaneous about it. I still have an ache in my side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we were talking about the script earlier, and, and in that intro, you know, the first thing he says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stick my nose into somebody else's business. And there's a little life lesson in, in every film. There's life lessons from him. And I don't know if he put it in or if the writers put it in, but, man, they're pearls of wisdom that just stand the test of time. And I know he's been gone for a long time, and, and the more I watch the films and the more I listen to those little pearls of wisdom, the more they mean to me. And I think they mean a lot to everybody here, and I don't know if, if you can remember, you have uh, you had more time with him than I did, but how much time did he work on that? Or did they just know, like, we have to put this stuff in these movies to make it interesting for him? That's really an interesting question. I mean, just knowing the way he talks off camera, off screen, a lot of that stuff is him. Uh, you know, he, he believed, you know, in the core values. He really, he was the guy that, uh, you know, believed in being honest and trustworthy and reliable and somebody you could count on. And you know, he lived his life that way. He'd say, uh... Yeah. And, and I would love to know from you, Chris, because these guys obviously being sons of the Duke, but it's a little different from you. Your father, obviously Robert Mitchum, a great actor that we all know very well. Um, but what was... I, I know George Sherman directed this film, and but I think the Duke had a lot of hand in that. Kind of share that with us of how they took both duties between the Duke and George Sherman. One of my favorite images of that movie, George Sherman was about four feet tall. <laughs> and, and he'd be talking over a scene with Duke on how he wanted to direct it and how Duke wanted it directed. And George is like this, and Duke has his hands on his hip, and he's like this, looking down at I'll never forget that image. Yeah, and Duke, usually, Duke usually won the conversation. I, I yeah. would imagine so. What about for you guys, though, the same, same deal? Because with George, I, I'm not wanting to repeat the question, but for you guys being his own sons, how much of the directing came from George? How much came from Dad? <laughs> Daddy? <laughs> I mean, Ethan mentioned it earlier. It, it maybe even has his age. Um, it's, it, when you're young, you don't know that much about it. Uh, you, you're going to do what he says. Older people come from a different place. You know, they actually, we actually go home and work and prepare the character who we want to be and uh, bring that to the set. And uh, normally um, the director may have a, a different point of view because you're only concerned about your character and maybe he wants to see how you fit in the overall scheme of things. And so you talk about it and uh, you come to a happy medium. With my daddy says, do it this way, and you do it. <laughs> that was the happy medium, was that dad was saying, we're doing it that this way. It. I got you. I got you. Along those lines, when we did the scene where he comes in and uh, found that the, the chest had newspaper clippings, I talked it over with George, and I said, the way I'd like to do this, I'd like to put a big gap in the character. When he, when he first comes in, I want to cry, say, I killed a man for newspaper clippings, and... Then he says, well, you got to toughen up. And I say, tough? You want? And I hit him. Well, we did the scene, camera's rolling, and Duke just steps back and said, well, if I'd known you were going to cry about it, I wouldn't have come to work. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't cry in that scene. Yeah, I bet not. I bet not. We've got oh another question. God. We've got That's another question from our live studio audience. Let's hear what we've got to say. And I think we can barely see her over the podium there. Hi. Get her an apple box. <laughs> I have a question for Miss Patrick. Did you really call him Daddy at home? I didn't hear the question. She said she had a question for you. Do you really call him Daddy at home? You know, all my life I called him Daddy. <laughs> In real life, that's what I call him. I mean, after this movie, it was like awkward. <laughs> you know, like, Daddy? <laughs> What was your name, honey? What was your name? Libby. Libby, Thank you did a you. great Thanks, job. Libby. Thanks Thank for you. a wonderful question. Thank you for that. Guys, you all may have something to say about this, but Maureen O'Hara lit up the screen. I, I didn't matter if it was with your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it mattered if it was with your dad, if it was with anyone else, and all the wonderful cast that she's been in, all the great films. But what was their relationship like on screen, off screen, whatever that may be? Uh, they, they had, well, they look great on screen. 
going back to uh, The Quiet Man, you know, the McClintock, and, and of course, the Big Jake film. Uh, Maureen is not a frail little person. She's a b big woman. And against my dad, she looks very feminine. Maybe not every leading man has that same quality, but she looked very feminine in, in films with, um, with my dad. So that was a very, very key thing. Um, they were great friends, really, um, in addition to the professional relationship. They were really great friends. And, and Ethan will attest to this, that our dad, when he passed away, was uh, presented with the uh, uh, Congressional Medal of Freedom. Uh, really by the efforts of Maureen O'Hara, who went to Congress and, 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 and really campaigned for this medal to be given. And we will be extremely thankful all our lives for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Chris, what do you remember about Richard Boone? Um, in my mind, Richard Boone kind of, he, he obviously played John Fane in this movie, but but he was really rather known as kind of a nice guy on screen. Oh, yeah, he, he wasn't he, a nice guy in this movie at all. No, he's, he's a very, very pleasant guy to work with. Uh, really enjoyed it. His uh, wife, who looked like somebody's grandmother, a sweet lady. Uh, do, uh, Richard came in one morning and he, he looked like hell. He just looked terrible. And she took the blame for that. She said he came home drunk and they had a Spanish-style house with a courtyard in the center. She opened up the front door, let him through, put him into the courtyard, and that's where he spent the night. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll do it. Oh, yeah. And, and another little story, uh, and Richard did tend to drink a little bit, and there's a scene in the picture where near the end, Duke throws him the key to the, to the chest, and Richard goes down to pick it up. But for like nine takes, he went down, and he just rolled right over. <laughs> it's true. So... You, you, you look at the movie, and he, when he finally gets the key, he's got this big grin on his face. He was so happy he didn't fall over. Yeah. That's so he he rides the horse into the house, and he fell off the horse a couple times, too. He did that, Yeah, too, coming yeah. in the front door. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody says he's a nice guy. I thought he was scary. I wouldn't go near him. Yeah, no. I wouldn't go near him on the set, because he'd reach over and pinch you, so I never got within an arm's length of a guy. <laughs> oh, no. So I was always shocked when they said, no, Richard Boone's a nice guy, and he always played a nice guy. Yeah, no, he played a great character in this one. Hey, that's going to wrap it up for this segment. We'll be back with more for our 50th anniversary of Big Jake and the McCandles Family Reunion. Well, I want you to join us, if you can, for the John Wayne Grit Series 5K right here in the Fort Worth Stockyards. It's next weekend, actually, Saturday, November 15th. At star, excuse me, November 13th. Starts at 8 o'clock, and it's benefiting the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. I know, Ethan, you're staying over for that. Uh, definitely want to join that and have a lot of fun here in the Stockyards with the John Wayne Grit Series 5K. K run. Hopefully it'll be good weather in Texas. You just never know about Texas, but hopefully it'll be good. Before we get into this next one, I believe we've got a, another question from the audience. Take it away. How you doing? My name is Bob Oliver. They already covered the two questions for Ethan and, and his brother, and uh, I, I need to ask Chris a question. Chris, uh, when you were uh, riding the motorcycle, did you ride it and do the stunts through the hills like uh, when you were kind of attacking the guys that were attacking you? Yeah, well, I, I did quite a bit of it. The same guy who taught Patrick how to ride bareback, Everett Creech, did, uh, <laughs> did the scary stuff. But I had just finished uh, my first summer racing motocross. Oh, So wow. I, I knew pretty much what I was doing on the bike. And actually, before, uh, when I went in for the interview my first time, it was on a Monday, and I'd raced that Sunday and tore up my left knee in an accident. And so I had taken a handful of Anison and wrapped my leg all up. And I get there, and I start to go in, and I'm limping. So I walked in, and, and the casting director says, what happened to your leg? I said, oh, I stubbed my toe <laughs> uh, on, the, on, on the curb coming in. Because say I was in a motorcycle accident, and I'm riding a bike in the movie. That's insurance. You're out. <laughs> that would have done it, yeah. That's what we do. By the way, my name is Bob Oliver. I'm from Aubrey, Texas. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thank Thank you, Bob. Bob. That's a great segue into our next clip, and it's actually Chris Mitchum uh, coming into this wonderful movie, Big Jake. He makes a pretty grand entrance. Let's take a look at this. Where's your brother? He ought to be here with you. He'll be here. <laughs> Thank you. 
That, that was one of the two scenes that also jumping over the, the rocks that Everett Creech did. Yeah. Well, a, a little story on that opening line. Uh, when I went in and read for the part, the uh, guy who was cast had somebody else he really wanted for the part. So he said I had to go to a speech therapist because I had a, had a lisp. So I went home. I was furious. I told my, wa my, my mom, my wife, I said, this guy says I have a peach impediment. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, they got, the guy they sent me to is Italian. He said, every little letter needs to be heard. The a consonant, the valve, you want to say it. Now say the lines. I said, she's a mite skittish, isn't she, Father? He said, no, no, like this. She's a mite skittish, isn't oh, she, no, Father? Yeah. I, I, I wish now I'd have done it that way. He said, hey, you this is what well. they taught me to do. I, I want to talk to all three of you about the stuntmen in this movie because uh, we all have some mutual friends that joined you guys in this movie. And yes, go ahead. I have just a little payoff to, oh, the, yes. to this scene that you saw where he got bucked off the horse because of the motorcycle. Yeah. Later in the movie, when we're on the search for, for uh, Little Jake and we're going through this town, where three of us are riding um, in a line. And uh, they're going through this town, and somebody uh, from the bar, they throw this guy through the batwing doors, he comes tumbling out in the street. My dad's horse went sideways 10 feet, and he never even moved in the saddle. <laughs> but they had to cut it out of the movie, yeah. because you wouldn't have believed this, that he would have been thrown off the horse in the first thing. Right. So, right. They, so they had to cut it out, but he was so good on a horse, I mean, really. So that mule that was carrying the money. the box with the money, do you remember that scene when it, yeah, yeah. They, they lost control of it, and oh, it just yeah. bucked off oh. into the hills. Yeah, yeah. It the was, guys had to go ride and bring it back. Yeah, it was, that it thing was, was crazy. It was gone. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it was an idiot. But was was that the scene where that happened, or was it yeah. a different scene? No, it was, that was the scene yeah. where it happened. Yeah. Were you on this movie, Ethan? Do you, were you there? Do you remember anything? That, <laughs> he doesn't remember anything. How many things you remember as an eight-year-old? I was eight. Well, so. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's Come it. on. Uh, you know, yeah, I was eight years old, so my memories are from an eight-year-old no, kid. I totally And Everett Creech was uh, my idol. Yeah, loved yeah, that guy. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. So and that was a Montessa 360 that had been converted to yeah, a plane. Yeah, so it looked like 250. The Montessa 250, yeah. They actually brought me down to Durango about a week early to ride. We had a, a 1914 Harley Davidson. And they want me to get used to the bike. Well, a 1914 Harley Davidson is a one lunger, and it, you start it up, and it goes thump. You turn it, give it gas, it goes thump, 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 thump. And you slowly go faster and faster. Had no brakes. So you wanted to stop, you had to shut off the gas and plan about 50 yards ahead of time where you wanted to stop. <laughs> Well, the, the, the 250 Montessa was a mock-up. It looked exactly like the Harley. The real bike never got on camera. No. Oh, wow. wow. Never got on camera. Well, I want to ask you guys about the stuntmen that were on this show. Not only Dean Smith played a great part. Our dear yeah, friend Dean Smith double. played a great part. Uh, but also Terry Leonard. I just spoke with Terry. He and I have been friends for a long time. I spoke with him a couple days ago about this film. And Terry shared with me about the big high fall scene when, when Dean actually, uh, the shooting up there in that tower. But what do you guys remember about that with Terry Leonard? Of course, Terry was a, at a young age, but a great stuntman and, mm -hmm. and a wonderful stunt coordinator throughout the years. There were some really big stunts on this show. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember that, but they dug a, they dug a ditch like this, this deep in the thing and they put a mattress in it, you know, foam a little deeper than a mattress like that. And this tower was really high. Like and nobody high. wanted to do it. I'm not going to mention any names, but they went, no, I'm not jumping out of there. No, it's too high and yeah. windy. Dean Smith was playing a part as, as the sniper in sure. the thing. Dean Smith is the stuntman. Yes. And Dean Smith wouldn't do it. That's right. Well, and Terry. So Dean Smith. Well, and then they, 
you know, they said, well, we'll throw a dummy out and you can see where the dummy lands. And they threw the dummy out and the wind blew it off and it landed <laughs> yeah, in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. Didn't hit the pad. You don't want to show that. Terry man. Leonard didn't miss a beat. He said, I'll do it. He put on the clothes. He ran up there. He dove out. He hit the pad and walked away. Terry Leonard lived for that kind of stuff in his day. We all know yeah. that about Mr. Leonard. Of course, Dean Smith, he was an Olympic gold medalist, oh gosh, but he just yeah, didn't yeah, like yeah. the high falls. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> I don't. I sort of commiserate with him on that. that was, it was, that was bad. a really high fall, I think, for the day. Yeah. And yeah. really not enough padding for that kind of fall. Well, I think <laughs> then it was before they had the big air pads. No, it was a, it was a canvas yeah. bag, uh, like tied with rope, like a, like a, you know, like a stake that they wrap with rope. And, and there were big squares of rubber, foam rubber in there. And dad would put them in my boots every morning because if you didn't check your boots for scorpions in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So every morning I'd put my foot in there and scream because I thought it was a, As, oh, yeah. a snake or a scorpion. Stuff. He was, had a lot of funny, quirky sense of humor. This has nothing to do with movies, but my, he had a boat. But even before the Wild Goose, he had the Norwestern. Yeah. And Aisa, uh, we were on this, uh, out on the boat, sailing probably to Catalina or something. And my dad got one of Aisa's decals. She had a book with decals, and he took the decal and stuck it on the bulkhead of the ship. And he goes, Aisa, and gets over, what is this doing on here? You know, she goes, I had nothing to do with that. He knew, he did it. You know, he blamed her for this thing. Yeah, he, quirky sense of humor. What was the dynamic on, not only on the set, but off the set? Of course, it was filmed in Mexico. Uh, but what, what was that feeling like? Not only for you, Patrick, but for you as well, Chris, and, and even for you, because you were such a young age. I know it was kind of under dad's wing most of the time, but what was that feeling like filming, the, uh, filming down in Mexico? I loved it. I mean, I, I like to go on location with them, right? And in on a, this show, I finally got to be really involved in it. So instead of having to watch to cross in front of a light or step on a cable or get in somebody's eye line, I got to actually be in it. Yeah. And so that for picture me, was, right uh, there is, that picture is of you, Patrick, and your dad playing chess. Did, did we do a little of that off screen or a lot of that? A lot. We a played lot. a lot yeah. of chess. I remember one time, again, back on the boat, my dad loved to work and he loved to be on the boat. And that, those are the two big things. And I, one time on the boat, I won three games of chess in a row. I beat him three games in a row. And I said, oh, I feel like I got to take a nap. Oh, my <laughs> God. Tired. Said, well, what about it? You know, I said, a little bit. You know, I'll play a little. He followed me around the boat like a puppy, <laughs> just waiting to get me. <laughs> and then he beat the bejesus out of me. Oh, and then sure. yeah. Again. Yeah. But you never let him live those three you won down, though, right? You oh, let, of course let him not. Mean, Another that's what we're supposed to <laughs> on Big Jake is seeing Patrick, because we didn't see each other all the time. I know. Yeah. And then he shows up with that mustache and the cool hat, and he had a really cool semi-automatic gun. I'm like, that dude's my brother. That's, That's my, my brother, brother right there. That's my that brother. <laughs> I want to get to another question from the live yeah, sorry, audience. Yes. This story off. Oh, yes. So a couple of years after that, I'm up in uh, Canada on this big lake in uh, Chilcotin. And um, I'm doing this animal action picture. It's called The Bears and I. I've got these three little cubs. Their mother's been killed. So I'm taking care of these three cubs. So my dad is going fishing up in northern Canada, and he takes a float plane, lands on this lake that uh, I'm working there. He comes by to visit me on this film I'm shooting. Ethan's with him. And he says, hey, Ethan, why don't you stay with your brother? I'm going fishing. And he takes off. <laughs> I'm not, I'm no clothes. Not, not a toothbrush. Nothing. He's a 10-year-old kid, and, and I'm trying to make a film, and I you had to wear my wife's clothes. I yeah. mean, you, you know, <laughs> and Peggy's clothes on. Wish we had a picture of that, for sure. Yeah. I, I really so do wish we had too. a picture of bad. that. Before we no, get to won't. our question over there for the live studio audience, I just want everyone to know that you guys actually came from everywhere. I've visited with some folks before the show from North Carolina, from Missouri. So thanks for coming from all Thank over the country to come see us. Yeah. This is awesome. But what? let's get to your question. Yeah, my name is Ben. I live in uh, Oak Point, Texas, and I, I really enjoy character actors from the movies. I was wondering if you had some stories about Hank Warden or one of the other character actors in the movie. Well, Hank, I, I, 
Of course, he was in in this film, but I, I, he was in McClintock as well. And way back in a film called The Searchers that uh, that we did in, I'd, I'd say about 54 or 5 was filmed. And then uh, one thing I noticed about Hank, when I worked with him in 54 and 71, he looked the same age. He always looked old. <laughs> and um, one of the handiest guys on horseback, the guy could really, really ride a horse. Uh, amazing, amazing guy. Wonderful. Go ahead. I mean, kind, gentle, extremely nice to me when I was a little boy. You know, when you're little, all your members, they're mean or nice. And, <laughs> you know, there's some rough characters on those yeah. sets. You know, yeah. they'd put gaffer's tape all around your head. You got to pull it out. It pulls your hair out. And, you know, they, they did never, terrible things. Never picked on but you, But right? some of the guys were, were tough, and they were honest, and Hank was a, a real tough dude. You didn't, yeah. you didn't realize that he was no joke. No joke, and an incredible athlete, and a very nice man. And I, was, I only knew him as a little boy. Thank you very much for the question. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, Kanye. We'll be back with more right here on Rule America Live with my guests, the Wayne family and Chris Mitchum. Welcome back to Rural America Live. And my guest, John Wayne's sons, Patrick and Ethan Wayne, of course, Chris Mitchum as well, the stars from the show, Big Jake. We've got another question from our live studio audience. Take it away. Hi, um, my question was, what was each of y'all's favorite line from the movie? Favorite line? Mine? Line? Is this a question for anybody? All of you? You Blythe? Yes. Okay, Blythe. Good question, by the way. Um, my, my favorite line was um, I had a scene with Glenn Corbett. Glenn Corbett's sitting up on a wall, and I've, I've got this gun from Chris. He's given me his automatic gun. I got it in my holster. And, and we're having this eye-to-eye, uh, -eye, and he says, I understand you killed three men today, three good men today. And I said, no, it's four, counting you. <laughs> That's a cocky guy. That's a cocky guy. Ethan, you got your favorite line? Well, I mean, I only had a couple, but um, <laughs> I just remember thinking it was odd that I had to call my dad my grandpa. grandpa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. grandpa. Yeah. So it was, you know. Did you ever kind of hit First, I was and, excited and that I got dad? to work in the movie. Yeah. Then I was depressed when I saw that I had to wear the green felt short pants. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was fine with that and excited, and then. You know, the grandfather, I think, it just threw me off. Did you ever mess up and say dad instead of oh, I'm granddad? sure I did. Yeah. I, no, I don't think I did of that. Of course not. No, of course not. No, he was pretty direct. He'd say, go do this, and you did that. Yeah. And we were good at listening to him. Yeah. Chris, you're... you're and, and I think we're all here because we love the guy, and I think he'd be thrilled to know that we're still sitting around talking about him 40 years after he took oh, his yeah. last yeah. breath. Chris, your favorite line? Uh, I, didn't, I don't have a favorite line. I was just so happy to be in a movie with Duke and speaking. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah, for sure. Bly, thank you very much for Thanks, a great question. Appreciate and that. And thank you for coming. Thank you. Guys, we mentioned earlier that it was filmed on location in Mexico. Uh, I'm curious to know about the locals. Were they receptive to you being there? Were they helpful? Uh, did you use a lot of the extras down there? How did all that go, Patrick? Yeah, it's surprisingly, there's a, a very uh, professional, a group of professional people down there that, that uh, worked well in the crew. And of course, they, they used them as extras. I, I'd say that we were fairly well received by the locals there. Uh, they had a great uh, ice cream parlor in town. I remember going there. <laughs> and when I flew here uh, today, uh, not today, but my, I talked to my oldest son, who is uh, 55 years old. He was on location on this film. He was a young, you know, five years old. And he, he said to me, Alberto Alvarado 207. That was our address, the house we lived in in Durango. Wow. He still remembered this after 50 <laughs> years. Great. Wow. I mean, I can remember as a little boy being able to run around Durango and, you know, free. Yeah. You know, I could go to the bakery, I could buy a bolillo, I could do different things. Yeah. And it was a great town and people were very friendly and it was like a second home. Uh, to me, I was very comfortable there. Speaking of going home, I think this is a very fitting clip as we get ready to wrap up our show here. Let's take a look at a clip that we're calling Let's Go Home. Sir? Yes, 
sir. Are you my grandfather? Yes, sir, I sure am. James? Dad? Sounds better. Let's go home. Good idea. And there's the hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No line. Guys, I want to know from each one of you before we wrap this show, Ethan, you, you touched on this a moment ago, but um, with your guys' dad being gone uh, 40 years now, what do you think he would look at today with us doing exactly what we are? We're sitting around here talking about this great film, talking about great stories from him. What would he say sitting here today? Oh, I, I wouldn't even want to guess what he's saying. This world is so different today than it was when you know when he passed away it's just a, a whole different deal is the audience seeing this picture this yeah time? absolutely oh, great, great it's a great shot of uh, so many of the local crew down there and um, but but I you know it's um, it's just I, I wouldn't even want to guess what he'd be thinking uh, it, it, it makes me wonder this is before the internet right and and he was uh, somebody who was able to be in front of people and communicate uh, character traits, a value set, uh, remind us of the people that built this country and remind us sort of of our, our lineage and our heritage and who we were. And uh, I have a feeling, and I don't know this, but that he helped keep the fabric of this country you know, together and strong for a long time. And we don't have... Uh, We seem to have terrific productions and longer productions and Showtime and HBO and really good entertainment, but I don't feel like the characters are necessarily aspirational like John Wayne was. It seems like they have to always get worse and worse and worse. You start off kind of liking them by the fifth season and you're done with them, and you never get that from John Wayne. He always gave you the guy that you liked, you, who inspired you to be a better person. So. Chris? No. There's something, something I saw when I was doing Chisholm, give you an idea on how fair and balanced Duke was. Uh, we're getting ready to break for lunch, and the props guy has asked everybody to check their guns in before they go to lunch. And Jeff Duell was, well, let me preempt that. Jeff Duell was standing, and Duke said, why don't you sit in your chair? He said, I don't have a chair, Duke. So he called out the prop guy and gave him hell for not having a chair for him. Now we cut lunch the same day, and Jeff's going down. The prop guy had to run after him and get his gun. Duke goes down in there, and everybody's seated for lunch, and Duke calls Jeff out and rips him for not helping the prop guy out and turning in his gun like he was supposed to. There you go. Everybody, everybody had to do their job and help everybody else do their job. There you yeah. go. I think it's pretty fair to say after listening to each one of you and especially Ethan some of the things that you touched on just a moment ago but we all see across the country uh, these bracelets what would Jesus do I really think we ought to have some bracelets what would John Wayne do that's just my opinion <laughs> one one last question from the audience before we get done go ahead take it away okay if they were to make remake Big Jake today, who would you choose to play John Wayne? Whoa, whoa. I, I mean, I, I don't know. For, for, for a while, I, I've, I've watched, um, who was the guy that roomed with uh, Robert Duvall, uh, who was in French Connection? Who's the guy? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, at a certain period of his career, he could have easily had done it. I don't know, age-wise now, if he, he, he would be up to it. How about Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe would be great. He's good in everything. He's really good. I know, but he's good in everything. He's good in everything he does. He really is good, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there, but I'm available if you <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just say it. I'll have you talk to my agent. Is that okay? I just yeah. have one question. Yes. Would you be able to do the show without something in your ear? What are you talking about? I don't have anything in my okay. ear. Okay, no, all right. That's, that's, good. Good. No. that's so he can't hear us. That's good. You know what I just thought of is that the Wingfields were also in Big Jake. They wrote in in that initial pack of guys, oh, they Teddy did. and Jeffrey Wingfield, who were uh, sons of a good friend of my father's in Arizona, Ralph Wingfield, yep. Ralph Emerging Wingfield. Patagonia? Yeah. 
Chris, I want to start with you. Uh, we've got just a couple minutes left for each one of you. Final thoughts on this show tonight. This movie actually changed my life. Uh, Duke was very outspoken during the Vietnam War, and the liberals in Hollywood learned very quickly to hate him. Because I did Big Jake, I got a film. I, in fact, Patrick and I were in Houston, Texas on a layover doing a 21 city and 19 day PA tour. And I got contacted by my agent. The a team of producer, director came into New York, flew me up there on Sunday, interviewed me at lunch, flew me back, and I did a film in Spain called Summertime Killer with Carl Malden and Olivia Hussey. Turned out to be the biggest grossing film in Spain's history. Gave me an international career. I ended up doing 60 films in uh, 14 different countries. On the flip side, I didn't have an interview in, in the States for 11 months. I finally went in on an interview, and the woman said, oh, you're that Chris Mitchum, I can't interview you. I said, why not? She said, because you started with John Wayne. They hated him so much that any new star coming up was blackballed in Hollywood. Wow. So he, even, even though working with him kind of killed my American career, he gave me a whole international career. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, really quick, Ethan, from yeah. the both of you, really quick. We just got a minute left. Uh, what were your final thoughts of the evening? Oh, I gave them already, but oh, I think did. it's really fun to be here with my brother and yeah. with Chris. We haven't been together in a long time. And I mean, you saw on the screen, it was a long time ago, and it's just fun to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and it, it, you don't know, when you sit down and you say, what are we going to talk about? I, I can't remember, remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, <laughs> much less 50 years ago. But, but it does, really things kick, of, kick to, you know, reminds you of stories. I hope people enjoyed them, because it was really a lot of fun to talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree, and on behalf of Patrick Gotch and everyone here, not only on Rural America Live, thank you to our live studio audience, thank you to our wonderful guests, Patrick and Ethan Wayne, Chris Mitchum. Thanks, everyone, for watching Rural America Live. Thank you so much for listening to the John Wayne Gritcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you heard, give us five stars in the Apple Podcast app and follow us on social media at John Wayne Official. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go.